Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again, we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God, and we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God now, because the Kingdom of God is at hand. It's not something that's coming in the future. It's something that was appointed to the apostles and the early church, and they were to administer the affairs of the kingdom of God on earth because Jesus said, I'm going to take the kingdom away from you when he was talking to the Pharisees who were sitting in the seat of Moses and he was going to give it to another group who would bear fruit. And that group was the church, the called out, the ecclesia. That's what he said. I mean, I'm not making it up. It's written down. It's been written down for thousands of years so that you could read it. But somehow or other, logically, in your brain, you haven't figured it out. You think you go to the kingdom of God when you die. You go to the kingdom of God when you die to the kingdoms of the world. And how do you die to the kingdoms of the world? By turning around and thinking a different way. The law of nature is defined as the divine law because there is the God of nature who created all nature, all of the reality around us. And he put into place a law of nature and it is built in. That if you do certain things, certain things will happen because you live in a cause and effect universe that the God of creation established. That's the way it is. Now, you can say, I don't believe in God. You believe in the God of the Big Bang or the God of evolution or the God of microbiology or the God of the world. There are gods many. But the God is the ultimate source, the divine planner who put into place the universe in which you sit. Now the question is, do you sit in darkness or do you sit in the light of that creation? Well, a lot of people go to church and they think they believe in God and Jesus warned that many would come in my name, but I know them not. So the big question is not whether you think you know God, is whether God knows you. Well, of course, God does know you. But Jesus says, I never knew them. He's talking about people that actually think they are Christians. They think they are doing great things in the name of Christ. But they are actually under a strong delusion. And we've written articles about strong delusion. What is that delusion that people would be under? Well, one thing, they would think that it's okay to engage in covetous practices. And Peter said, to to covetous practices, you would be made merchandise. You know, again, return to the bondage of Egypt. Be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. He tells you this is what's going to happen. 
through covetous practices. Well, there is no greater common covetous practice in the world than desire benefits at the expense of your neighbor through men who exercise authority one over the other. They may call themselves benefactors, offering you great benefits, rewards, of unrighteousness because it's unrighteous because it is extracted by force. And until John the Baptist, all the kingdoms of the world were trying to establish the kingdom of heaven by force. Not by charity. Not by love. Not by faith. Not by hope. But by force and fear and fealty. They would force you to do what they think was good and stop you from doing what they think is evil because you had sat down to eat at their table that was set by the power of force, by the power of fear, by the authority granted them by your fealty. Because you look to them for those benefits that come from men who call themselves benefactors, but simply extract what they give to you from your neighbor. You were willing to take a bite out of your neighbor so that you could have those wages of unrighteousness. Free school at your neighbor's expense. Free fire departments at your neighbor's expense. Free police forces at your neighbor's expense. You've already done all that. You are not doing what John the Baptist said to do, which was sharing and caring. Sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands in free assemblies, not in fealty, but in free assemblies, to take care of one another through faith, through hope, and through charity. You don't do that. You go to church, you have a little charity you send off to Nicaragua or Costa Rica or or someplace in Africa or wherever there is need. And you think you are charitable. But 80 to 90 or more percent of the charity that is given in your congregation is not charity at all. It is given by men who exercise authority one over the other. And Jesus said it was not to be that way with you. So, you don't really know, Jesus. You got this emotional feeling in your heart that you were saved on April 23rd, 1978, or whenever it was. But you are not saved. You are under a strong delusion. Boy, that should be pretty clear. I think that would be pretty clear to anybody here hears that. It probably upsets a lot of people. What makes me think I'm right? I am not right. But what I'm saying is the truth. I am not your salvation. Listening to me is not your salvation. You have to have God's law written upon your heart and upon your mind. How do you know it is God writing upon your heart and your mind and not your own imagination. 
You have to put away those things of your imagination and start seeing the truth as it is. And one of the things that we do to show you the truth is that we look at what's going on in the world today, in the news today. Uh, I just heard this morning somebody yelled to me from the other room that the Kate Brown, I won't call her Governor Kate Brown, just call her Kate Brown, posing as the governor of Oregon, occupying the officer office of the governor of Oregon, even though she has, by her own actions, as a matter of record, forfeited that office and is a felon. Now, that's just a fact. And I, I can show it to you, and we do uh, on uh, preparing you, and we've shown it to many people, thousands of people know that she is not the legal governor of Oregon. But she is extending the shutdown now till July. <laughs> now, the the uh, dialogue, I won't go into all the dialogue, maybe we'll have an afternoon show and we'll bring in somebody who has been a part of that dialogue. But uh, basically... She's supposed to uh, get a notice from the counties to explain their plan for opening back up. Well, I know one county has done that. They have submitted that plan. They have worked night and day to put the plan together based on the criteria published by the governor. And they, they knew that that was coming. And they did it also based on the criteria published by the federal government and the President of the United States in conference with the President of the United States. They knew what the guidelines were. They put together the three-part opening up of the economy. Now, the mere fact that the government thought it had the power to close down the economy is astounding. And the fact that everybody complied is astounding. But it is not surprising if you understand what has gone on, and we're going to get into what has gone on a little bit. We're going to go back to some of the original information that we shared decades ago in the book Covenants of the Gods. Because I heard, saw people on the network mentioning certain things. I could see that they've been reading some of the material and studying it. And they're in the heartland of America and central Rocky Mountains of America. And they've been around the country and they... They kind of introduced themselves to the network. Everybody who is listening to this online or can get online should join the Living Network. You join the Living Network through several processes. You join by uh, getting on an email group based on geography. If you're in Australia, there's a... There's a group for Australia. If you're in uh, Europe, there's a group for Europe. If you're in uh, Texas, there's a group for Texas. Or California, there's a group for California. And Oregon, there's a group for Oregon. Now, if you're in Washington or Idaho, you have to join the Oregon group until you have enough people in those groups. We'll start separating it out. People say, well, there's not a lot of email and activity on the group. That's because they're divided by regions. Because we want you to start coming together. That's the way you come together. I had a dream many years ago when I was first starting out. I don't know when I first started out on this path. I guess it started out when I was about seven years old. But there were different points where I I had certain revelations. Uh, God showed me certain things in his time. And eventually I began to understand 
the contractual nature of government. I understood a little bit about the law. I had inklings of this way back uh, when I was a teenager and my father was an attorney and I discussed the law with him a number of times. And I, I recall a number of conversations where I said, well, if this is so, why is this? And he was shocked by my questions. But he understood the law. I mean, he actually wrote law books. Uh, he he began to realize there were certain things that I was seeing that he had seen as a youth. And uh, he was sharing them with me a little at a time, but not not in the detail that finally came when I brought the first chapters of the book, The Covenants of the Gods, to him and said, what do you think about what I'm writing in this book? And the theme is pretty clear. There's 15 chapters. Each one is talking about how we are returning to the yoke of bondage, <laughs> the process in which we bring ourselves back into bondage, like we see in Samuel 8, where God says, if you go this way, you're going to end up back in bondage again, in the bondage of Egypt, and you're going to uh, you're going to have rulers that will take and take and take and take and take and take. They'll make decisions for you, make decisions for your sons and your daughters, and they will put your daughters and sons in harm's way and use them for their own purposes. He warns you about all this if you go that way. Well, we've gone that way. <laughs> I know you want to believe in the Constitution and that this is a, this government is created by God. If this government, if the Constitution was created by God, it would have all five of the precepts that God commands you to put in your Constitution. It does not. So it is not. It is part of God's design because you had already stopped repenting and thinking the way God wants you to think and started thinking another way. This has gone on for 200 years or more now. You can't even imagine what the kingdom of God is and what it looks like. What the city of God that cometh from heaven that they talk about. You don't realize that when you go to church, you're supposed to be engaging in the civil affairs of the kingdom of God. But you're all preoccupied, either a lot of you are preoccupied with the civil affairs of the kingdoms of the world because you're all of the world. You get... You get your education from the world. You get your health care from the world. You get your parents are taken care of by the world because the word world in many of the cases where you read it in the New Testament, it comes from one of five different Greek words that it can be translated into world. Can be, but it can be misleading if you do that because you don't know when they're saying which word. But the word means this is right out of the concordance, constitutional order or system of government. You sat down, despite the warnings of Samuel, and you created a system of government that can exercise authority one over the other. It also is a government that you can create contracts with or can create contracts with others that are enforceable by that government. And you have gone back into the bondage of Egypt. The bondage of Egypt, you had to give 20% of your labor to the government. Every year. 
That was the bondage of Egypt. You presently probably give 40, 50, 60% and according to uh, government calculations a couple of years ago that by almost this year or in a few years, you'll be giving 90% of your labor to the government every year. 90%. And you say, well, how could that be? Well, how much do you give to the government in gas tax? How much do you give to the government in income tax? How much do you give to the government in social security tax? How much do you give to the government in property tax? How much do you give to the government in sales tax? And then every time you buy something, (laughs) how much of the price of that item is the result of tax? I mean, you used to be able to buy a furnished home, two-bedroom, I mean, two-story, three-bedroom furnished home in the heart of the city of Nebraska, Omaha, Nebraska, you know, with solid uh, hardwood floors, Solid oak cabinets, dishes in the cupboards for $3,000. Because that's where I was born. <laughs> and it was $3,000 for that house. It's $3,000 silver dollars, but it's $3,000. It would be represented by that time, it would have been represented by paper dollars that were still backed by gold and silver. Things have changed. It doesn't cost, it costs you way more than that. Even if you multiplied the, I don't know what silver is going for, a dollar, uh, $15 an ounce or something like that. So it'd be a silver dollars with 15 paper dollars. Okay, you multiply that times 3,000, it's still pretty cheap. Well, far cheaper than anything you buy today. But, so that's been in the process. The process of creating a Federal Reserve, which is not a government deal. And people say, oh, well, now we're getting into conspiracy. No, all this stuff was done at the time of Christ as well. So it's important to understand the history. Because if you study the history of your past with an open mind, you will know the future. Because history repeats itself. You'll say, well, they did this, 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 this. And this happened. And we're doing this, 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 this. So this is going to happen. You did what Samuel said not to do. But you wanted to have a ruler who could exercise authority. A chief executive officer. To fight your battles for you. So that would be an imperator. An imperator is a commander in chief. An emperor. What we call emperor it was a commander-in-chief of the military. When Augustus was elected emperor, which was a 10-year term of office, but he was elected by an electoral college of the Senate to be the commander-in-chief, and we call him emperor. He was the commander-in-chief of the military, which in those days was the army and the navy. And he had that office for 10 years. He also ran for another office, Principas Civitas, which would be the first citizen We would translate that today as president. He was the first citizen. He ran for that office. It was only a one-year term of office because you're running in Rome. He did not get elected as president of Rome every year because he was out of town. (laughs) He was out being commander-in-chief. He couldn't call up with a red phone, you know, or whatever. But he was... 
and he was not able to make fire come down from the heavens in the sight of man because he was not also the commander-in-chief of the Air Force. Because there was no Air Force. They did have those catapults that could send fire up, but it didn't come down from heaven. It came up from the earth and flew over and landed in the enemy's camp. (laughs) You see that in some of the movies where they're catapulting these fire things, zooming over. And they did do that occasionally. But uh, it didn't work all that well. But, see, you don't study history. You don't actually get into the details. So then you also have to be able to, in your mind, put all these details together so that you see what's really driving a society that begins to operate more and more this way. When Samuel 8 said, you, you're going to end up, if you go this route, you're going to end up with a government that takes and 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 controls your life in every aspect. And when you cry out, this is the important part. I'm not even going to hear you. God's not even going to hear your cries when you complain about the authoritarianism of the government. So what's going on in the news today? Like I said, the Kate Brown sitting in the governor's office stated, if you don't know why I say she's not the governor, then you should join the network and we'll explain it to you. We have it all written out and somebody will guide you right to it. And you can read it and you can tell, depending on how fast you can read, in a few minutes you'll know that she's not the legal government governor of Oregon. But she's extending this house arrest across the board. She was get delivered just this week. She was delivered to her the plan of this county where I happen to live. I happen to know the people who wrote it. And they sent it in. Now, I'm not involved in that politics. I'm trying to get you to think kingdom. Because I'm over here in another government that is separate from the world. And uh, according to their laws, if you really are, you know, church and state not mixed, you should be separate too. But of course, you're not separate because you're not in the real church. You're not in the real ecclesia. You're not really doing what Christ said. You're not even sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands like he commanded. You're not taking care of the social welfare of your community through faith, hope, and charity. You're mostly doing it through force. Two people like Kate Brown and President Trump, which have every right to exist. I'm not, I'm not against them any more than Jesus came preaching against Caesar. He did not come preaching against Caesar. He said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Why does the government of the United States or the government of Oregon have the right to tell you to stay in your house? To not open your business, to wear a mask when you go to the store or travel down the road. Used to be that you couldn't wear a mask. Now they make you wear a mask, even though it doesn't do any good. Hardly at all. Most of the masks that you see people wearing are completely contaminated and ineffective at stopping you from getting the virus. And most of the time when you're out on the street, there's almost nobody getting the virus walking down the street near somebody else. You have to have close proximity to each other. And, uh, it, it, you know, but that's another whole story. We've explained all that before. What we want to get into now is finding out what you can do, what it means to repent, where are we going from here, what does the future hold for us? There's a lot of things that we need to know. Well, 
That we're going to have to explore when we come back to Keys of the Kingdom. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, like I said, uh, what's going on in the news today and how does it relate to the time of Christ and how does it relate to the teachings of Christ and how does it relate to where you're at in the world and where you're at of the world and where you're at in following the way that Christ said to go. Because most of you are not going the way Christ said to go any more than the Pharisees were going the way Moses said to go. Because Moses said you were to love your neighbor as yourself. But in Judea, at the time of Christ, the sacrifices of the, of the people, the sacrifice of the people, the what they gave to the support the pure religion of Israel and Judea, was making the word of God to none effect. It's the word of God. God spoke and there was light and darkness and earth and stars and moons and oceans and life on this planet, which you don't seem to find anywhere else. What happened when he spoke? That's the word of God. You're making the word of God to none effect. You're interfering with the process of God. You know, I'm, if we get to it, I've got, I've got so many things that have come across my desk this week. Uh, there was a letter that was sent to me by somebody in government and, uh, and I wrote back, it's a hit piece. And they said, they laughed, yes. And what was it about? Well, it was somebody rationalizing information that has been coming out recently and explaining it all away with their rationalizations. Well, it was so full of fallacies and false arguments that it was astounding. Yet I know out there tens of thousands of people will believe what they wrote down as if it was true. Because it sounds like they're reasoning it out. But it's all fallacies. Almost everything that was coming in that article, letter, uh, line after line, was a fallacy. False argument. Out of context argument. Most people couldn't recognize that. So I immediately went to our page at Preparing You, which is logic. Uh, that's the name of the page. And logic comes from the word logos which is very important, should be important to Christians, which is the word, the truth, the word of creation, not the lie. Logos is the truth, the word of God. And that's, I mean, even the identity cards, if you call them cards, they weren't cards, identity letters of Christians was called Logos by the Roman government. They identified that they were Christians by their Logos. But, Again, the word logos just means the word. And what the word was is that they were sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands taking care of all the social welfare of Christians through faith, hope, and charity. That was the distinguishing characteristic of Christians. That's what made them followers of Christ. That's why they were persecuted. Because Rome had another system that they had put into place already. Back with Augustus, it had started even 150, 100 years before Augustus at least. I mean, you find traces of it going back 200 years, 300 years. 
Uh, Rome was around for 500 years before Christ was born. It had originally been a republic, and it had begun to disintegrate as a republic little bit by little bit uh, over the centuries. But by the time Polybius came, he saw the handwriting on the walls. By the time Augustus came, the republic was dead. They had an emperor, for gosh sakes. What Republics don't have emperors. <laughs> republics don't have presidents. Uh, of the people that can exercise authority over the people. There might be a president in the United States originally, but it didn't ex- it couldn't tell everybody go to your house and stay in your house <laughs> and stop working, close down your businesses. The president never had that kind of power. There would have been a rebellion pretty quick if they had tried that back then. Now the president could tell other members of the federal government what to do. Executive orders were only for members of the federal government. I read a number of articles. Atlanta, uh, The Atlantic, excuse me, uh, wrote an article uh, on Robert E. Lee. Oh, man, what a hit piece. <laughs> that was, uh, just leave out any facts that are inconvenient. Just put in stuff out of context. And they came up with this idea of Robert E. Lee, who was not a perfect guy, but he was a lot different than most people realize. But one of the things, they referred to him as a traitor to his country because he was a part of the rebellion. No, see, the thing is, is that see, that's what comes from ignorance, writing stuff like that. After the ratification, by acquiescence, by the way, that's how the Constitution was ratified, by acquiescence, not legally ratified. This is, this is well known amongst historians and people who understand the law. It's in Clark's Summary of U.S. American Law, one of the most fundamental law books that students used to read. <laughs> it's still part of the curriculum in a lot of law schools, but they don't read it. And they, at least by 1945, they stopped reading the section on the Constitution. <laughs> <laughs> and I can I can give you firsthand knowledge of that, but uh, uh, anyway, the uh, they made it very clear that even after the ratification by acquiescence of the Constitution of the United States, and those are people who have read, read we have audios up on contracts, covenants, and constitutions will know what I'm talking about. But you are not a citizen of the United States. There were no citizens of the United States. There was, uh, you know, in the individual states, there were no one you could call a citizen of the United States. They were citizens of the individual states because even after that ratification, and I quote here, the states were as foreign to each other as Mexico is to Canada. So Virginia was as foreign to North Carolina as it was, as Mexico was to Canada. And Virginia was as foreign to New York as Mexico is to Canada, even after the Constitution was put into place. So Robert E. Lee was a citizen of Virginia. And he was not going to fight for the United States. He was going to fight for Virginia's rights, state rights. Now, he'd already freed all the slaves that were in his estate. This had been a process going on. There was a lot of legal ramifications of that. And he he said uh, that, you know, 
uh, well, we'll get, I can actually quote from letters. Back in 1856, I think, he, he was writing a letter condemning the destructive power of slavery, not only for blacks, but for whites. He thought it was a horrible thing. Wanted to do away with slavery. This is back way before the Civil War. He was not fighting to con- perpetuate slavery. He saw a greater danger of the loss of states' rights. Now, that's one of the things Kate Brown, pretending to be the governor, is, is talking about, is that they have state rights. Cuomo, that's one of the things when I went back to our page on coronavirus, you can now find in the outline of the page, I put in a, another section to separate a, a section off where I go through a letter that was written by Cuomo, or quoted, an uh, article that was quoting Cuomo. Because they think, and he actually uses the word civil war in in his reference to what's going on between the federal government and the individual state governments. And the state governments think they have all the power to shut down all the citizens of the state. Because all those citizens of the states are not citizens of the kingdom of God. That's been a long process and you can't just change that overnight and you certainly don't change that with paperwork. Change that by repentance and by following the way, which nobody's hardly doing anymore. They think they're Christians, but they're not following the way. They're certainly not doing what Christ commanded. They're not practicing pure religion. And they they have need of repentance. And if they would repent, they could maybe someday say that I am a citizen of heaven or the kingdom of God. They would probably be persecuted for it, but they would have God on their side. Like uh, God was on the side of the Israelites when the, when the uh, physical Ark of the Covenant was stolen by people like the Philistines. And what happened to them? Well, emeralds. What's an emerald? <laughs> well, we won't go into that. So... Uh, maybe we will later if we get to some of these other le- letters and, and, and tell you the secrets of the Emirates. And how in the world did the fact that they stole the Ark of the Covenant, that all the people in their community started getting Emirates, they started getting sick. This one article that I want to bring up later on, that they they start their premise with the fact that, you know, in, in a little town in Germany, they were having problems with bubonic plague, that that people were dying. You know, like 20 people out of a 1,000, that's like 2%, were dying of the bubonic plague. Well, that starts adding up each year. And they prayed. They thought, if we pray and we promise God that we will have a passion play, I think it's a passion play, but it's a play about Christ every 10 years. Once every 10 years. (laughs) That's all they said. And uh, pray fervently that the illness would go away. Well, it did go away. And, I mean, it went away just right now. And all the people that were sick at that time got better. So it was amazing. You know, they were losing people every year. And then all of a sudden when they decided to do this and they had these big prayer meetings and everything, the disease went away. They actually gathered. <laughs> and the disease went away. <laughs> well, of course, bubonic plague is is spread by fleas that are on the rats and then the people get bit by the flea and there's a parasite on the flea that gives you the plague. 
there's a similar disease now that goes around. We actually had it in Oregon. Uh, it doesn't necessarily come, well, it does come by, by fleas. I actually know somebody who got it, which is tularemia. It was similar to the bubonic plague. He got better, but he was pretty sick there for a while. But, uh, he got it from a bite from a flea from a jackrabbit. Because he found a baby jackrabbit and he was going to try to raise it. Well, it had those fleas. Now, you can get tularemia in a lot of different ways, but that's similar to the bubonic plague. But anyway, back to the story. They prayed. It went away. They're still having the play every 10 years today in that village. And somebody's, the, the author was saying that they imagine that the play went, uh, that, that the plague went away because they prayed and said they were going to have this play. They imagined it. And so they think that that's why it went away. But they don't understand the science. Well, they've just discounted anything metaphysical as not real. Scientists who study the, you know, actually study physics now are beginning to think there is a quantum metaphysical realm in which stranger things do happen. On a regular basis. Amazing things that they cannot explain by any means whatsoever. They're seeing this all the time. Inside your body, there are billions of transactions going on between individual cells, sending communications out in the form, we talked about this before, of exosomes, which look like viruses, but are actually messages from your cell to other cells in your body to not receive this virus, this coronavirus. It's programming your cells through genetic material passed through exosomes to stop replicating the virus. That's part of your immune system. There's another part that actually goes out and hunts down those exosomes that are, are the virus and kills them. All this is being decided inside your body to the tune of billions of transactions every day. You haven't got a clue what's going on in there. But I can tell you, if you're a selfish son of a gun outside in the world, your cells will be selfish inside your body. (laughs) If you're unselfish and righteous and everything, your cells inside your body will be unselfish and righteous as well. That's metaphysical. That is spiritual. That person doesn't believe that that exists. Oh, they imagine that there is a God. They imagine that there is a designer, a divine designer. They imagine that. We know it's all just chemical reactions and evolution and all this stuff. People who are really studying the details of what is going on in the human cell alone, one human cell alone, how in the world from two distinct cells come together, one penetrating the other, and a baby arrives nine months later, composed of billions of cells that have decided evidently on their own to become a liver and a kidney and a heart and eyeballs and a brain, all from two cells. All the data that they needed to create this baby in the womb of a woman (laughs) just miraculously shows up 
nine months later and begins to walk and talk. What it needs to do is repent. <laughs> Not too much at first, but eventually in its life, it needs to follow that pattern. But the world will keep drawing that child, follow a different pattern, follow the pattern of the world. It won't be God inside that child, the spiritual presence of the essence of that divine planner deciding that the liver is going to become a liver and the kidney cells are going to become kidney cells and the heart cells are going to become heart cells. All this from the two little tiny, tiny, tiny little cells that you can't even see. That's all going to be organized according to his design. Now, from the moment of conception, the mother's spirit is having an effect on that child. The presence of the father's spirit is going to have an effect on that child. When he comes out, the whole world is going to try to have an effect on that child. They're going to eventually want to decide what is good and evil for that child. What we should be doing is trying to provide a civil society that will allow God to write upon the hearts and minds of that child. And so God, so that that child lives according to the law of nature and nature's God, which I started talking about. That law of nature is also called divine will. It is, it is also called right reason. And eventually we're going to get into what is right reason. And one of the ways you know what right reason is, is to understand all the fallacies of the world that is presented as logic, as reason. But it actually for centuries men have known that as fallacies, falsehoods. So that you can begin to distinguish between the lie and the truth. Now the way to really distinguish Distinguish between the lie and the truth is start to admit the truth about yourself. The fact that you're back in the bondage of Egypt. Because you haven't repented yet. And you are in need of repentance. You need to think a different way. And most of what you're taught is not true. That the, the path is narrow. Truth, The path of truth is narrow. You can't step outside the path of truth without stepping into the world of lies. Well, the world that we see around us is ruled by lies. And some of the truth is not going to be convenient. I'm not going to say say that, yeah, it just so happens that the governor in the state of Oregon, or the person holding the office of governor in the state of Oregon, is legally, illegally holding that office and is not a legitimate governor. And she her executive orders don't mean squat. And you don't technically have to obey them. But the state police don't understand that, so they're going to enforce it. <laughs> and so, like, if you open up your business, I mean, I can bring in letters that from the Department of Justice that are just full of lies and misinformation. But everybody, lies are what rules this world. This whole world is ruled by lies. But I'm not saying you can't, you, you shouldn't obey the governing authorities. I'm just saying that you already are in chaos and you don't know it. What you really need to do is repent yourself. Because you are in the bondage of Egypt. And until you repent, God's not going to hear you. Now, 
Why was God not hearing the cries of the people after they went that particular way? Because that way is not the way of care. It's not the way of John the Baptist. John the Baptist said, you know, that the people were to take care of one another through charity. That's that's the essential element of his directives to the people. He wasn't doing away with the military forces and the governments of the world. He was just saying, you need to repent, think differently, and start taking care of one another through charity. In order to do that, you have to care about one another. In order to do that efficiently, you have to care enough about one another to do what Christ commanded, which is to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands for the purpose of establishing a daily ministration through faith, hope, and charity instead of a daily ministration through force, fear, and fealty which is the way you're doing it now. So this is why the government can suddenly say everybody stay in their home and they everybody stay in their home. Now people are getting angry and want to do something about it and they want to overthrow the government, but they're not going into this process with God because that isn't the process of God. Jesus wasn't arming all the Christians to go and fight Caesar or Pontius Pilate because his kingdom's not only not of their constitutional order and system of government, it's of a different realm entirely. It is the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven are the same. And Jesus took the kingdom of God and gave it to people who would walk in his ways. Modern Christians are not walking in his ways. They are the many who come in his name but don't know what he really was about. So we're going to get into some of the things he was about. Um, And first of all, you can go back and read the Covenants of the God free online, whatever. uh, And all the articles, we have audios up on it. But there's a chapter, Law versus Legal. Legal systems are are civil systems that are created by men. Civil law is the law that men establish for themselves. In order to establish a legal system, you have to do it within the framework of the natural law. Because the natural law already exists. You can't just make it up. You have to have a way to establish that legal system so that certain people are in that legal system and they do it through a this civil law or city law, you might call it. But civil law, it's not necessarily, when I say city, you think of, you know, like London or Paris or, or Washington, D.C. These are cities. But the word city in the Hebrew actually means a place of terror, <laughs> a frightening place. It's a place of power. It's another camp. And, and so you enter into that civil law and see if you're a citizen of the United States, you can go to another country and you're still a citizen of the United States. You're still under the civil law of the United States. And the United States might extend some protection to you. But when you're under the city of heaven, the civil law of heaven, Where do you get your protection? How does that come? It's a completely different kind of, uh, not only physical, but metaphysical jurisdiction. Because the kingdom of God, when he took it away from one group and appointed it to the apostles, that's what it says right in the text, I appoint unto you a kingdom as my Father has given to me. This is what Christ is doing to the apostles who were the ecclesia, the called out, who were not to be of the world, in the world, but not of the world. They were a separate jurisdiction, and this is the argument that you see coming out of the mouth of Paul. 
They were still giving, those people who had to give certain obligations to Caesar gave them to Caesar. But they did not look to Caesar's free bread. They had their own daily bread. So you can't be a Christian and be praying to the governments of the world for free bread. That comes from men who exercise authority one over the other. Because that's the wages of unrighteousness. Well, you can't stop doing that right now. Most of you are elderly, maybe on Social Security, maybe disability. How do you stop that? Well, you have to repent, start thinking differently, and start gathering in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. There wasn't enough bread until people sat down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands like Christ commanded. So anyway, the legal system is created by men. Nimrod created one. Cain created one. Pharaoh created one. Herod created one, but so did the emperors of Rome. They created legal systems, and they passed laws, and they they made executive orders and commanded this. But Christ commanded only once, sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. The rest was showing you the way. In the kingdom of God, each man is king in his own castle. And his wife is queen in that castle. And the only one that is subject to their authority are their children and their domestic servants, if they have any domestic servants. <laughs> but uh, another whole topic, but we won't go into that again. But that legal system has to be created within this divine law, this right reason, this law of nature, all the same thing. And so when people say, that, yeah, you, you can go out and, 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 you know, gather and open up your businesses as long as you follow the law. You can protest. That was a news story just before we started. You can protest as long as you do it within the law. She means within the legal system. The legal system may be within the law. If you have sat down and ate at their table, you got to, you know, it's like the father says, as long as you're eating at my table, you got to be home by nine o'clock. That's the law. Because you're eating at my table. Now, the fact is, is that you've eaten at a table that borrows against the future. So even if you stop eating at the table, you're still obligated because you haven't paid off the debt. Well, now it's to the point where you can't pay off the debt because the debt just went up $6 trillion a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> so how do, how do you change things? Well, you're in need of repentance. I don't want to get you out of the system. I want you to get you into the way of Christ. That's where you need to go is the way of Christ. So now we're going to talk a little bit about what that would look like on an individual basis because the way is only followed by individuals who come together in free assemblies. But we'll talk about that when we return to Keys of the Kingdom. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, the sh- shutdown of the entire world continues. There seems to be some that want to keep things shut down and some that want to open things up. Seems to be divided between Democrat and Republican, but I don't know. You'd have to do your own survey on that. The Democrats seem to want to keep things shut down, and the Republicans, a lot of them, at least, I, you know, like I say, I haven't done a survey or anything, seem to want things to open up. Because if you look at the statistics, the the death toll is not any, like I say, if you, uh, 
I don't know. Maybe I can even read it for you. I've, I've done a number of posts on this uh, through my Facebook and uh, and through different groups that I'm a part of in the local community, uh, just email groups that uh, discuss some of these matters sometimes. <laughs> I'll discuss them. But here, so I'm going off to these other things. It says social distancing, wearing masks, and temporary shutdown strategy was only meant to protect the hospitals from being overwhelmed. It was never meant to stop the virus. Only herd immunity will do that, just like it did back with the Spanish flu, wasn't it? Now, that you had these supposed doctors going out and saying, the only way we will stop this is a vaccine, even though vaccines are seldom 70%. Effective. That would mean that 30% are still going to get it. And they're less effective amongst the elderly. And that's mostly who get it. <laughs> and there are certain side effects with vaccines, which is another whole topic that we should start to cover on a regular basis. Because the same spirit that has created this world that operates by force and fear and fealty is going to want to mass inoculate you. With who knows what. And that was another whole subject that we can get into. Because there are many whole new types of vaccines that are are not even biological. They're, they're manufactured. And uh, nanotechnology, that after you get the subcutaneous shot, they activate the vaccine with an electrical charge. Sounds Orwellian. <laughs> Somebody posted... A uh, ma'am that says COVID-1984 because we seem to be getting to that point. Oh, we have got, we've actually, 1984 came and went and nobody noticed. But anyway, so it's herd immunity will be the only thing that really gives the society immunity to these diseases which have been coming around for centuries and centuries. But uh, why did more people not get the bubonic plague? Can you develop, even though it's from a bite of a of a flea that carries a particular parasite, can you get an immunity to that? Well, it's amazing what God has invented in your system. Uh, but anyway, um, it goes on to say that if you want to establish that immunity and become healthy and robust society, you have to let nature, the law of nature, take its course. That doesn't mean you just let anybody die who gets sick there are all kinds of things you can do to enhance your immune system and make things better and then I said America is only the land of the free when it is the home of the brave stop the fear well everybody's afraid of seeking the kingdom of God because they're they live in fear they live in darkness they don't understand what the kingdom of God is at, about if everybody in the state of Oregon what, who say they are Christian were actually following the way of Christ, which is the way of faith, hope, and charity, not force, fear, and fealty. It would send ripples around the world. Well, the fact is, everybody who's a, who claims to be Christian or Oregon is not going to repent and do things the way Christ said to do it. They're going to do things the way they've been told Christ said, which is clearly not what it says in the biblical text. But they read it and they cannot understand what they are reading because they actually sit in darkness. But there's other reasons. I mean, way back when they first started translating the Bible into English, people started reading some of the words in that Bible and started thinking, oh my gosh, 
you know, Hebrews twelve twenty two, Revelations, Proverbs three three, uh, Proverbs seven three. What were they talking about? The Philippians three twenty. What what did they say there? For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, our salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ meaning Messiah. King, Messiah, anointed. That's what that word Christ means. Lord meaning your king. Jesus. King Jesus, the Messiah. That's what they just said. Lord Jesus Christ. But it's translated in the King James, Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we're used to hearing. But we don't understand what we're hearing. We do not have ears to hear. But he said, our conversation is in heaven. That word conversation is a noun. In in the Greek, it's polytuma. It only appears once in the whole Bible. And Paul says it. What does it mean? Polytuma. It's actually from a, a Greek word, polytuma. As a noun, like I said, it only appears once. How is it defined in the concordance? The administration of civil affairs or of a commonwealth. A constitution of commonwealth from the government and the law by which it is administered. A state, a commonwealth, a commonwealth of citizens. That's what Paul's saying there. For our conversation, our polytuma, is in heaven. Well, how are we managing the administrative civil affairs of a commonwealth in the kingdom of heaven? How was he doing that? Well, Paul was doing it when there was a dearth, a depression, a famine. Paul's bringing supplies. He's he's collecting money and taking it to the people. That's what Paul's doing. He's only able to do that because there are tens, hundreds, and thousands collecting supplies and funds to take them to other places. Paul knew how to do that. Barnabas went with them. Others did the same thing. And they knew where to go because they were gathered in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and they were helping one another out. They could have gone or waited for the the FEMA of Caesar to show up and bring supplies because they were doing the same thing. But those supplies would come from the temples like Parthenos. And they would know who to take him to because you were registered with the temple of Saturn. And in the early days, the money would come out of the other temples because the other temples were used to manufacture money, like the Temple of Mineta, where where we get the word money. <laughs> they actually coined the money of Rome and loaned it out into circulation. Eventually, they took all the gold and silver out of the coins because that was the way in which history has to go. They have to take that valuable uh, element of money out of the hands of the people. That's already a done deal in America. Uh, y- you can have some gold and you can have some silver. I heard a commercial just saying you can go out and buy your gold. But if you're a citizen of the United States, you don't own that gold and silver. <laughs> that, and I can show you in the law. Public Law 95-147 uh, and uh, ACAR 192 and when it was repealed and what was the clauses that related to its appeal. But why snow you with all that information when you're not even willing to repent and seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness? 
I wrote it all down in the book, or enough of it. I mean, originally the book, Covenants of the Gods, was over seven, eight hundred pages. And I reduced it down. I woke up one morning and God said I had to reduce each chapter down to basically a 12-page chapter. And uh, so we ended up with uh, a 12-small-page chapter, half-page chapter. But we ended up with a 144-page-long book. And we put it out there. And it's the covenants of the gods. And why is it the covenants of the gods? Because you're going to make no covenants. With the gods or with the inhabitants where you go. That's part of the Ten Commandments. You have, if you can get any kind of a benefit, you have made a covenant. Because you can't have those benefits unless you make a covenant. Unless you sign up. Unless you apply. You have to pray to the gods of the world to get their benefits. Uh, and that's that's how you manage your civil affairs. Your administrative of civil affairs is by looking to those men who exercise authority one over the other to provide you with your benefits. All against the will of Christ. The commands of Christ. The directives of Christ. The executive orders of the Lord Jesus Christ. You've all disobeyed them on a regular basis. Because you go to these men who are going to take from your neighbors so that you can have what you want. The free stuff. The wages of unrighteousness. The rewards of unrighteousness. Because your civil affairs are not managed in heaven, but they're managed by the gods of this world. The ruling judges of this world. The ones who decide that it is now a sin to go out without a mask. Who is now a sin to gather in more than ten people. I want you to gather. But I want you to gather in righteousness and for the righteous ways of God. Now I said that polytuma comes from another Greek word that is translated many times in the Bible. And uh, it's uh, polytumai. That's what I, I was trying to think of it before. It's polytumai. And it's a verb. And it means to be a citizen. To administer civil affairs, manage the state as a verb. To make or create a citizen. To be a citizen to behave as a citizen, to avail oneself of the uh, of or recognize the laws of the king. Now, who's your king? Is it Kate Brown? Is it Donald Trump? Is it uh, Trudeau? Uh, you know, whatever country you're in, is that your king? Is that the one who is the head of your civil affairs, making the law, telling you what is good and what is evil, what is right and what is wrong? Or is it Jesus Christ? Well, for Christians, it was Jesus Christ. They didn't disobey the laws, but they became more and more excluded from the laws because in order to to be subject to those laws, you had to apply for those benefits. That's how they get you. And that's how you have been gotten. Now, you want to change that. God's not going to hear you right now. You have to repent. And seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. His righteousness includes gathering together for the purposes of caring about others and sharing what you have with others because you love others and their children and their children's children as much as you love your children and your children's children. Christians don't do that. They go to church because they like the music, they like the preacher, they like the feeling. Now, I'm not going to say that everybody who goes to church has no moral character whatsoever. Many of them do. 
And so there's a thing we call kingdom tracks, where some, because when God begins to write his laws upon your heart and your mind, you begin to realize certain things. You begin to see certain things you did not see before. Remember when Jesus healed the one blind man, took him out of the city. Interesting point. I just read that in one of the versions of this story. And he put spittle and clay into his eyes and he asked him what he saw in this one case. And he says, men as trees. And then he put his hands over his eyes again and then he saw more clearly. So what he's really telling you with this story is it's a process. You begin to see certain elements of the truth. And you say, oh my gosh, I am back in the bondage of Egypt. And it's worse with me than it was before. I'm again entangled in the yoke of bondage in the elements of the world. We have articles on all this. You look up elements. You look up world at preparing you and it will tell you all these things. And, you know, give you articles and show you, take you through the quotes with hundreds and hundreds of footnotes so you can do your own research. But the real research is in your own heart that you have to realize you have been fooled. I used the Mark Twain quote several times this week that it is easier to fool men than to convince them that they have been fooled. Well, of course, the coronavirus did not kill millions and millions of people in America. It probably never will. Although the shutdown may end up killing millions of people in America. (laughs) Because the repercussions from the shutdown will be felt for generations. The repercussions of this shutdown will be felt. And because there were a lot of things going on in the shutdown behind the scenes. That you don't know about. That people think that their cleverness, they're going to fix things like the Federal Reserve and all this stuff. But, it, you know, best laid plans of mice and men often go astray. But that's another long story that most people won't get. I want you to get the basics of the gospel. That you have to freely assemble with the full intent of loving your neighbor as much as yourself. Loving your neighbor's life as much as you love your own. To the point where you might even lay down your life for others. As Christ did. Because that's how you gather in the Spirit of Christ. You do not gather because it makes you feel good. That is not. If if church makes you feel good, it's probably not the church. Because <laughs> it's not supposed to make you feel good. It's supposed to lead you to repentance. And sometimes repentance is a little painful. No pain, no gain. So anyway, these, these words that we see in the Bible where your citizenship... The management of your daily ministration is supposed to be in the kingdom of heaven. What does that look like? How does that work? If you go back to Genesis 11.4, and they said, go to, let us build us a city, that civil society, and a tower. That means a rank of men over men over men, whose top may reach unto heaven, and let us make us a name lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. So we're going to bind the people together under this tower of authority. That's the antithesis of the kingdom of heaven. In the kingdom of heaven, we are not those who are in the 
chain going up in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. We are not to exercise authority one over the other. That what binds us together is love, not the force of contract. This is what they're talking about in Genesis 11.4. People miss it. Now, there may have actually been a real physical tower that they build. They often build physical symbols for what they do. Remember back in, in 1 Samuel, or, well, 1 Samuel 8, but before that, even in 1 Samuel 5, and the men that died not were smitten with emrods, and the cry of the city went up to heaven. Now, this was the people who stole the Ark of the Covenant. And they were stricken with, mysteriously, in some sort of metaphysical way, stricken with emeralds. <laughs> Which I'm not telling you what emeralds are. But anyway, so that, there is a distinctive warranty that comes with actually following the ways of Christ instead of the ways of the world, the ways of Pharaoh, the ways of Caesar. But you have to do it in a righteous fashion, not unrighteousness, because you're seeking the righteousness of God. Jeremiah 44, 17, But we will certainly do whatsoever thing goeth forth out of our own mouth and burn incense unto the Queen of Heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto her. And we have, uh, as we have done, we and our fathers our kings and our princes in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. For then had we plenty of victuals, that's provisions, and were well and saw no evil. What did they really see evil? Or they just turned their, they became blind men who could not see the evil that they were doing. See, we think, we, we live in the greatest country in the world, and to some degree, the, the most influential country in the world is, is America. But the influence that we are exercising is not the ways of Christ. Now, that, that's, it's, it's mixed, but that's because we're not practicing pure religion. Remember, what is pure religion? You're taking care of the widows and orphans and needy of your society through pure religion if it is unspotted by the constitutional orders and systems of government. In other words, you're taking care of all the social welfare of the people that gather in your assembly through faith, hope, and charity, and none of it through force, fear, and fealty. But that is not the case with you. Now, 150 years ago, that was the case because there was almost no social welfare around. Go look up Davy Crockett at Preparing You and read that article and find out what people were thinking back then about social welfare. What the people, like Horatio Blunt, was thinking about social welfare through the government. That is that is foreign ideas to America today because America has become a different country than it was 150 years ago. Has the same names. You know, I mean, you know, that people worry about the 1871. I started an article on that. Uh, I don't even know if I've, I've put it up on preparing you. But it is, the problem is us. It's not what the government is doing. It's what we are doing and not doing. And what we are not doing is following the commands and ways of Christ. 
And that's where repentance comes in. We have to turn around and go the other way. And so somebody, you know, when I first went out and studied to be a priest, I studied in a missionary society because I was going out on the missions. And I had this kind of view of going out and and serving God. And I had this vision, you know, like when I was 13 years old. And that's when I entered into seminary and was going to St. Joseph's College uh, eventually. And, uh, and I had this vision of serving other people. The vision came from the Holy Spirit. But the world kept telling me that it looked like this over here. <laughs> that you would be this priest and you'd wear this outfit and you'd go say these words. And it just, there was a conflict in with me between the spirit that was originally guiding me and what the world was telling me. And eventually I came out of that. And then later on I began to come into another level of it. So whatever church you're going to, I'm not condemning people going to churches and and wanting to feel good and all that kind of stuff. But what I'm saying is that we have to be listening to the Holy Spirit and allowing and following what God is writing upon your heart and your mind and not following what everybody else is telling you. Most of what is posing as the church today is of the world and of the spirit of the world. And many of the ministers who seem like they're really nice guys are not guiding you in the ways of the Holy Spirit. You know who can guide you in the ways of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit. I am not your salvation. I'm just pointing out that they are not your salvation either. <laughs> it is the Holy Spirit is the salvation of your soul and of your life and of your being. You must repent and follow that. I'm just pointing out that a lot of what they've been telling you is good is actually evil. They saw no evil because they had plenty of benefits, plenty of welfare, plenty of uh, comfort because the Holy Spirit was not their comforter. Well, fortunately for you, it may get really uncomfortable in the days ahead <laughs> and you will either look to the state for your comfort, as many will, or you will look to the Holy Spirit for your comfort. But the Holy Spirit will come when you repent and look at things a different way. And somebody wrote, uh, I saw it on the network, I was trying to go through reading everybody's emails on the different groups because I'm on every group. I don't respond on every group. But uh, I'm there and I was I saw somebody wrote, and he wrote a very, it was reminding me of a lot of my own journey. Of course, I also could tell that he'd been reading some of our material. <laughs> but he's on his own personal journey, and that's fine. And he said at one point, and I know he misspoke or miswrote, he says, I don't want to get the horse before the buggy, which is like the horse before the car. Actually, that's the reverse. You do want the horse before the car. <laughs> you don't want the cart before the horse. And now I'm sure if he's listening, he'll say, oh, yeah, that's right. But the the reality is, what's the horse and what's the cart? Your flesh and blood is the cart. The horse needs to be the Holy Spirit, not the mules, I'll say mules, <laughs> that are running things now and guiding you through the world. So what happens is that the Holy Spirit needs to be guiding you and pulling you. Not me. Not the the fake governor of Oregon or Michigan or any of these other totalitarian states. <laughs> or, or of the United States. Or of the New World Order and the United Nations. 
that should not be what's pulling you. It should be the Holy Spirit. And it's very easy to mistake what they're telling you in your ears. So it takes a real humble heart. The reason it is difficult to teach someone that they have been fooled is it requires that they be humble enough to admit that they are foolable. That they could be fooled in the beginning. So I see people waking up and I, I came across, I get emails from them a lot of times, uh, Ty and Charlene from The Truth About Cancer and they just put out a nine part series. Uh, and I think they're very dedicated people and they put out some good material and they really work hard at it. Uh, on vaccines and what vaccines do and don't do. And the fact is, is vaccines are extremely dangerous. Extremely dangerous. You have no idea how many people vaccines have damaged. Uh, in, I mean, the present cancer epidemic is probably the result of the original vaccines that came out way back in the 60s. And there are scientists telling that. Uh, experts in the field. But we're not going to go there. We're going to go more about the kingdom when we return to Keys of the Kingdom in a moment. So don't go away. Be right back. Welcome back to Key to the Kingdom. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. Mercy and truth. The truth is, is that we have been coveting our neighbor's goods. That's where we started this conversation today, which is the administration of the civil affairs of God's government which is, all I can do is tell you what you should be doing. You should be taking care of one another, backing one another, being there for one another. And that's Proverbs 3.3, 3, if you want to go look it up. But bind them about thy neck. That's how you carry things. Uh, the burdens upon your shoulders. That's whatever you bind over your shoulders is, is, is what you have to carry. There is a burden. His burden is light, but it's a burden. You have to be a doer of the word. You can't just sit there and listen. You can't just think, oh yeah, right. You have to become a doer. And it has to be written on the table of thine heart, the tablets of thy heart, you could almost say. But this, it has to be on the surface. It has to be a real thing of this caring uh, of, for truth and mercy for others. Mercy is what you want. Uh, for yourself, but you, the way you get mercy for yourself is you have mercy on others. If you want to have a ruler that exercises authority on others so that you can be safe, then you will end up with a ruler who will take and take and take and take and take and take and God will not hear you when you cry out. If you want God to hear you, you have to give and give and give and give and give. <laughs> you have to do the reverse. You have to care about what happens to your neighbor as much as you care about what happens to yourself. You can't, you know, I, uh, I've mentioned this before that, uh, voluntarist, uh, in Oregon was saying that, uh, they weren't gonna force vaccinations on his, uh, watch. And I said, well, they forced a shutdown on your watch. <laughs> he says, and he kind of laughs and he says, well, I meant for me. They're not gonna force me to have a vaccination. Well, there's the problem. Is that he is more concerned about him getting forced a vaccination than his neighbor. If they show up at the door of his neighbor to force his neighbor to get vaccination, he's not going to do a dang thing. I'm not going to get involved. I'm, I'm just going to make sure they don't get me. I'm going to run off and hide somewhere. That isn't the way of Christianity. 
That is the, that is the way of cowards, and the way of Christianity is not the way of cowards. So that's it. But the fact that he put it in that term, that I'm not going to let them force me to have a, con- a, a, a vaccination. And his head is not yet in the right place. Now, it might be. At least he's seeing this as a problem with vaccinations. A lot of people think, I mean, there are people yelling and screaming about forcing vaccinations, wanting to do it. Otherwise, we won't be safe. Well, if they work, why aren't you safe? Well, they don't work that well. Well, (laughs) that's because they don't work. Herd immunity. We are not the home of the brave. And so, therefore, we are not the land of the free. That's... Government didn't change that. We did. If you want to change it back, then you're going to have to start being brave. Proverbs 7, 3. Bind them upon thy fingers. Write them upon the table of thine heart. They're, they're repeating this idea. And the way you write it upon the tables of your heart is that you actually, that is what you do. That is what you serve up to your community is that righteousness. This is what seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness is all about. Jeremiah thirty-one thirty-three. But sh- this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. The house of Israel is everybody who follows the king of Israel. You may be adopted. It's not a bloodline. It's a righteousness line. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws in their inward parts. That's in every cell of your body that is making all those billions of decisions every day about how to keep you healthy and safe. And write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. If that's what's happening in your life, there's several places where it talks about that in the Old Testament, also in the New Testament, in Hebrews 8.10. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. You can read that in Hebrews 10.16 as well. The covenant that I will make. He goes on and write them in their hearts. His laws. Right now, somebody else has been writing in your heart and in your mind. And you see it in your neighbors who will think it is a hero turning you in because you went out without a mask. <laughs> so, uh, back then, but that's because your conversation is not in heaven. Your conversation is in the world. The world of Caesar. You're praying to Caesar for your daily bread. You're not praying to God for your daily bread. You know, the, the, the leaders in the church, in a church gathering, uh, 150 AD, is, was called the president of the assembly. But he did not have executive power because Jesus said he was not to execute Power, exercise power one over the other. It is not to be that way because we were not to be like the governments of the Gentiles. But the head of the assembly was still called a president in the writings of those Greek scholars who wrote about those early assemblies in 150 AD. You can look at, we have those quotes, we show you with the footnotes. They called them president. But when they gathered in their meetings, they they're saying... 
they share, those that had shared with those that did not have enough. That was pure religion. Nobody was going to the free bread of Rome. This made them a united people through charity, through love, through hope, through faith. They became a united people, not through contracts, not through fear, not through violence. That's Christianity. If that's not the way you're managing civil affairs, you're not a Christian yet. But like I said, there are people that are waking up. Uh, and I mentioned Ty and Charlene, uh, uh, I think Bollinger is their name, who the truth about cancer.com, you can go there. But they, they, they really work hard to put together a lot of information. And uh, the same as we really work hard, but what they, you see them, they want you to share the information they're giving you. They put it on DVD. Yeah, you can buy the DVDs, but then they say, go share it with other people. They say that we need your courage, effort to help us inform others, to educate them, and to show that we all must stand together for vaccine freedom of choice. But you also need to stand together for the freedom of choice to work. To stand together for the freedom of choice to educate your children. There's a real war going on against homeschoolers. And I've got all kinds of notes farther down that that I put together. Because there are people that absolutely hate the idea of you homeschooling. Absolutely hate you not getting their forced vaccination. And they will fight to do that. And judging by how quickly they shut down the economy of the entire world based on false information, they know now is false information. All those dire predictions of millions of people dying in the United States by the people who made them have been rolled back to a tiny fraction of those people. So it's not much different than a flu season, even with their jacked up numbers. And because most people who get this flu don't even get sick. Many of them don't show any symptoms whatsoever. Others show mild symptoms or they're over it in no time. And the reality is there's a great many of them people who cannot even get infected because they're, they're, uh, they're not producing the antibodies because there's no cells in their body that are replicating this disease. They already know not to replicate it. They have such a robust immune system. They won't even get sick. There were fleas everywhere in that German town. But only 20% or 2% of the population would die in a given year. And many of them, their immune systems were broke down. And this is actually from a flea bite. Why weren't more people getting sick? Because some were already immune. Why didn't everybody get the Spanish flu? Many people got it, got over it in minutes. Hours at the tops. Maybe showed a cold and got got well again. And they were immune. That's herd immunity. That's the way it works. They don't want to tell you, oh, the only way you can, your only salvation is a vaccine that we produce and force you to take. That is a lie. Uh, disease after disease has completely disappeared. So, but the, the interesting thing about their message, even though they're talking about vaccines and they give you a lot of information, is that they're saying you have to share this 
if you learn to care, they say. Be the change you want to see in the world. Learn to care. This is why you go to church. To learn to care. Learn how it's done. How the early Christians did it. Doing that in the practice of pure religion, taking care of the needy of your society through faith, hope, and charity, you create the bonds of the kingdom of God, the civil affairs of God, so that you'll be ready when they come and to try to force the vaccinations. And you will have the spiritual cover of God because you have learned to care. Now God will hear your prayers. That is one of the things that the fellow was saying about, you know, he had done a lot of mission work and he was saying that the people in the poor areas that he was often going to seem to have more of the kingdom of God written in their hearts and their minds than what he finds back here at home in America. I have always said America is the greatest mission field as well as much of the industrialized world because they are in the greatest need of the gospel. They're not willing to receive it. But, you know, like people like Ty and Charlene and a lot of other people who are really caring, really lay down their lives daily for other people, really try to help other people out, are starting to see some of the message, and I see it in lots of people, what I call kingdom tracks. You know, homeschooling is a big one. Uh, home health, where you're just taking back the responsibility of your health. I mean, all these people with the want to force the vaccines on everybody, they are the same people who say, my body, you know, my choice. You know, when it comes to murdering the child in their womb, my body, my choice. But if they come to give you a vaccine, same person, and you say, my body, my choice, they say, no, because it might endanger me. Because they don't care about you. They haven't learned to care. What you need to do is not be afraid of them, but learn to care about one another. And that's a skill America has lost. That is a skill that made America great at one time, as great as it ever was. Because everybody in America did not care about one another. There were criminals in America. There were murderers in America. There were crooked politicians in America from way back. And and that always will happen because if you create offices of power, men who seek power will seek office. And now that they're just power crazy, this is a political ploy keeping you shut down now. This all has to do with the election. It may backfire on them. I don't know what everybody has planned, but I know this is bad. But what is bad is the fact that you are so subject to ordinances because you have been eating at their table instead of setting the table of the Lord. Now, writing upon the table of your own heart to care about one another. You need to practice pure religion. That is part of seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. To seek the kingdom of God, you need to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. You need to gather in groups, small groups, as close to each other as physically possible and start helping one another. You're not to become a welfare system like the world, but you are supposed to be strengthening the poor, not weakening them, not making them dependent upon you, but making each one independent and helping those up who stumble and fall. Learning to the process of forgiveness. This is what you need to be doing. So I'm reminded again also of Peter, 1 Peter 3.15. But sanctify the Lord 
God in your hearts. Okay, that means that what he's writing upon your heart and your mind is separated, sanctified, consecrated. Consecrated in the deeds that you do. And be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. That's what you need to be preparing yourself. If you go on to Second Peter um, chapter 2, verse 2. And many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And that's what I saw in this article about homeschooling. That it was evil spoken of. Public school is evil because it is dependent upon coveting your neighbor's goods, taxing the little old lady on her property with the threat of taking her property away if she fails to pay those taxes so that you can send your kids to free school. You're robbing the widows and orphans of my community so that you can have free education for your children. You need to get away from that and you will you may get an opportunity to get away from that and start becoming true followers of the way of Jesus Christ. And anyway, so uh, I'm going to be looking at a number of other things I'm trying to think of. Uh, I, I don't have enough time here to get into some of these more complicated topics. But... Uh, uh, I was looking at these different articles that uh, different people were writing. And uh, I'm seeing that this common sense, good sense, sound judgment in practical matters is just seemingly absent from a great many people. And I find a great many of the people that are kind of Marxist socialists are moving... That their minds have already been moved and now they're trying to move everybody else and they're trying to force speech and shut down people who say anything contrary to them. And you see that those are clearly kingdoms and, and, and hell tracks, uh, Beelzebub tracks. They're going the other way. They don't believe in freedom. They don't believe in freedom of choice. They believe in control and they're willing to force, you know, the idea that they want to force vaccinations is a sign that they've already been turned over to this other spirit. And that spirit is fed and, and feeds by fear. Oh, we have to do this or we won't be safe. You know, I could, I could go on for hours and there are many people who do it explaining that, uh, you know, they, they warned about it. the scientists who were inventing these original and putting together in the laboratories, putting together these original vaccines for like cancer, were telling us way back then and telling their bosses way back then that this was highly dangerous because there were other viruses in the rhesus monkeys that they were using and they were mixing those rhesus mon monkeys with African monkeys. And they said that we were going to be injecting particles of these viruses and even these viruses themselves into the human body. And a number of highly decorated biologists have come out and stated very clearly and shown scientific evidence that this plague of cancer that we've been experiencing, because there wasn't that many cancer patients way back, there's way more today than there ever was. Way more cases of autism. But the cancer may be becoming 
uh, as a byproduct, even HIV is a byproduct of the presence of these other viruses that were introduced into our body with the polio vaccine. And what happens is these other viruses cause our immune systems to be overloaded. We can easily fight those viruses. They don't get us sick the same as they would get the rhesus monkeys sick. But they preoccupy our immune system so that our immune system cannot stop the growth of normal cancer cells. You actually have mechanisms in your body that goes around and checks the DNA of every cell. If the DNA is faulty, doesn't match up with you, your particular DNA, including epigenetic DNA, it will use a little protein to turn off that cell and that cell will die. That's how the body regularly, I mean, you got to remember there are billions of cells and many of them can become cancers from all kinds of reasons. But you have a mechanism to turn off a cancerous cell and it dies. You never even knew you had cancer. You probably have cancer right today and in 20 minutes that cell will be dead. <laughs> or maybe in 20 hours it will be dead because there will be a, a, a mechanism in you that will turn that cell off and, and cause that cell to die. When that mechanism is preoccupied with these other things that have been introduced into your body, what happens? It doesn't turn off that cell and suddenly you have all these little tumors showing up in your body. 20 years, 30 years, 40 years after you got your polio vaccine. That is not a good thing. And that is seemingly what's happened. There's evidence to believe that. But as soon as they began to find that out, it was threatening a multi-billion dollar business and it was shut down. But the information is still out there. Are you willing to hear that? Are you willing to explore that and think about it? Are you you're one of these people that don't want knowledge, don't want information? The reality is, though, if you turn around the way in which you are living and begin to practice pure religion, coming together to share and care and love and hope and faith, God will send you a protection to counteract the effects of those sins that have gone before, of those strain from right reason that have gone before. The idea that you can only heal a society with a vaccine is completely false. We were healing societies all the time. An interesting point, like I said before, uh, the original vaccine was Pasteur was talking about vaccine. And there were other people that supported him. There were other people that had a different viewpoint of vaccines. Uh, that vaccine was not really giving you the immunity you wanted. That there was another way to obtain that immunity in society through, through the environment that you create in your own body. And they were, they were arguing the two, but somebody figured out you could make money with vaccine. You couldn't make money with the or as much. And so vaccines began to rule our minds and now they've become our salvation. That slowly crept in. That the reality is, is that the whole idea of vaccines came from the reality that milkmaids did not get smallpox because they had developed an immunity to smallpox by their exposure to cows who got cowpox. 
and their body developed a natural immunity to smallpox and they did not get smallpox. And the people who drank the milk that those cows were producing probably got the same immunity, but you didn't know who they were because they didn't have that kind of surveying capability at the time. They just knew that milkmaids were not getting the cowpox. Well, there's a thing called bovine coronavirus. Been around for years. Cows get it. Cows get better. They develop herd immunity. And it's a regular event. They get that. So, if you eat the meat from cows who got immunity to coronavirus, do you get immunity? <laughs> I have no way of knowing. But it's interesting that they're shutting down meat packing plants and driving cattlemen out of business. Maybe you need to eat more meat. <laughs> but the reality is, is that anybody who gets the coronavirus and starts developing the antibodies of the coronavirus, and many, most of the people remember who get coronavirus and develop those antibodies, don't show the symptoms of corona. They, they, they don't get severely sick and they're still producing those antibodies. There is no reason in the world to believe that they are not shedding the antibodies the same as they might shed the virus. If they're shedding the antibodies, they, you can become immune and never have gotten the coronavirus. Because you're already healed. And you're healed by somebody else's antibodies that were shed into you and then you picked up and you began to replicate those antibodies. Because you didn't get them from a bat, you got them from another person you love. And they passed them on to you. So everybody should go out and kiss somebody who had the coronavirus already. (laughs) But the reality is that same principle in the law of nature goes on in the kingdom of God. You need to come together, begin to care about one another, and share that message written upon your heart with others. So join us on the network. Until then, the best I can do for you is say peace on your house and may God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.